finds Draymond Green. Green to the basket, kicks it out of Godala. Thompson for three. Bang! Play Thompson from downtown. It's a six-point lead. Timeout Rockets. A stunned Toyota Center crowd has watched a seven-point fourth-quarter lead turn into a six-point deficit. Yo, 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 guys. Welcome back to the Game 6 Clay Podcast. It's your boy, Gotham. Here with my boys, Charlie, Matt. How we doing, guys? Welcome back. Uh, another week, another Game 6 Clay Pod episode uh, out here. And, um, you know, we've had some ups and downs in terms of consistency. Um, you know, kind of like the Warriors, guys. Uh, ups and downs of consistency. Um, but, you know, we're starting to find a stretch right now. Um, how you guys feeling, man? Uh, you know, had a fun week. But, uh, yeah, let's take it away, Matt. Charlie, welcome back, brother. Yeah, you know, that's what it's about. Gearing up for the playoffs. We're chilling out here. Uh, how you doing, Matt? I feel good today, man. I feel like I live and die too much as these things go. I go to bed like with a, with a really fiery heart rate every night the Warriors play. So uh, I feel good today, though, man. I feel good. They got a nice win yesterday, so things are good. Um, no complaints. Love to hear it. Thanks, man. <laughs> well, Gotham, we got you on the men, too, with all our yeah, other we on the, on the men, man, on the men, um, six days away, as we're recording, six days away from physical therapy. So everybody following through on my uh, comeback story. Um, appreciate you guys, um, you know, all the love and support. Um, no, but... Hey, the saying Dub Nation would have traded you, or wanted to trade you a long time ago, man. I know, they haven't seen Take my potential yet, but um, <laughs> Dub Nation, watch out. Uh, there's some there's some funny tweets I've got um, in, the, in the dome. So um, that's my comeback. But um, guys, as we talk about comebacks... Um, Talk about the Warriors, man. These guys, uh, you know, obviously uh, they had a stretch two and eight in, the, in, in ten games in ten game stretch. But um, you know that this last week, you know that that two games against the Nuggets, got that Clippers game. All three games were signs of you know good things to come, and you know we've seen that these last two games, especially against the Nuggets and the Clippers, um, with the Warriors rattling off two pretty pretty impressive wins, especially the way they've been playing, much needed wins. Um, so yeah, what was your guys' takeaway from that? Nuggets loss with all the young uh, all the young guys the Clippers game when everybody came back at home and obviously last night's uh, Nuggets game was um, one of my, my favorite wins of the season but um, take it away guys what was your takeaways Yeah starting on that that first Nuggets game uh, actually had the pleasure of being there myself which was a lot of fun yeah. and able to get, get myself to a Warriors game in a while uh, being out here but. You know, for all the all the hoopla about the Warriors not, you know, playing, bringing all their star players, you were probably one of the best suited fans for that kind of a game, Tom. Oh, yeah, because I got to see 78 combined points out of Poole, Moody, and Kaminga. Uh, love to see that. Close game, competitive game, couldn't pull off the win. But, like, the young guys were firing. Moses was unstoppable. Like, it was just crazy. Uh, Poole really had some stretches of turning it on. Say that again, Charlie. Moses? Moses was unstoppable. <laughs> that's, that's my favorite favorite line of the whole year of our podcast, man. There it is. <laughs> <laughs> so like, like a really passionate, passionate uh, youth pastor talking about, like, the, the Old Testament, man. Nah, dude. Moses Moses was a problem back in the day. Uh, or Damian Lee out of the rotation. Let's say, let's say that. Yeah. I mean, we might be getting to that point. Like, the dude's putting up a real nice stretch, but... That's one of those where, you know, like when you look at the injury report, you're like, oh, this game's just, you know, chalk it up in the L column probably. But, you know, get on the young guys and like some of these role dudes stepping up to like make it a pretty close game. 
You guys got any other thoughts on that one? Nuggets game was great, man. It was one of those, it's a win-win game while also being a lose-lose game, right? Guaranteed loss almost, but um, the fact that it was a fight, the fact that it was a close game, you know, pretty much throughout the fact that the Warriors came back like two or three times after being bound, down 10 plus, it was cool. And every young guy on the court showed out. Um, Poole had that quiet first half and of course went off in the, the end of the third and during the fourth. Like you said, Moody had that, we had 20, 20 in the first half. Yeah, something like that. Some, something like that, right? Moody looked off. Moody just looked good in general of late. He's been playing the four for them a little bit, which has been weird to see. He and Clay have both had some time guarding Aaron Gordon in the last four or five days, which has been like, what's going on? I don't know, but uh, it's kind of some Warriors health issues there. But no, it's been it's been a good week. Um, that Clippers win and the Denver win, honestly, as strange as it is, I think they were both must-win games in a weird way because – Steph had kind of had that quote last week where he's like, I'm not going to let, you know, a losing culture sink in here. Um, I'm not going to do that. He's not going to let that stuff happen. And it just felt like, Hey, if they can't beat this shorthanded Clippers team, if they can't come out after, you know, getting that rest on that Monday and beating a Denver team, that's as beat up as they are. Um, it just felt like this team was kind of on the verge of like emotional withdrawal. You know, I felt like they were really close to like, Hey, there's some, some real issues going on. And if they're going to lose these close ones, um, there could be some serious issues ahead and granted, of course, Draymond's coming back, but it just felt like they, the, these games they had to get and Steph was, he could tell yesterday he was emotional kind of throughout, I think towards the end of the game, um, the Warriors wanted a little run to take the lead. I think Kaminga fouled him on the, on the right block and Steph was just like, you gotta be kidding me. Like we just got this momentum. Um, we're finally getting ahead and we just, he was so pissed off that they, they gave up an easy, or an easy, uh, some easy shots at the line. So um, good wins. I think necessary wins, especially considering that Milwaukee game coming up is probably going to be a, a tough game for them. Um, but I was, I was, I was still two wins. Yeah, no, I mean, I think my, my favorite part about this last week, especially is that feeling of watching every game, even that one with all the young guys, like it felt like the Warriors had a chance to win every single game. Like you felt like they were playing to, not necessarily playing to win, like they were playing to win before, but you just had that belief that, all right, these guys, we're going to find a way to get it done. Obviously, um, came up short in that first Nuggets game, but that Clippers game, that Nuggets game, again, last night, um, it just felt like, you know, they were ready for any, any uh, just any punch that came their way. And I think that first game really kind of gave that confidence. You saw these young guys battling back and forth. Um, Jordan Poole, um, I'm, we'll get into him a little bit later, but, I mean, just the emergence that he's had. Obviously, Wiggins dropping off a little bit. Um, hopefully, talk about those free throws. I don't know what's going on there, but. Um, you know, there's just uh, a lot of a lot of positives though from all these young guys, Kaminga, Moody, um, Poole, these guys stepping up. So I feel like you were able to see that last night when you know obviously you had the superstars back, and obviously Steph was doing his thing, brought us home towards the end. But um, you know, Poole had some big shots, Moody was had made some big plays, Kaminga. So you know, I think just that the whole point of these last you know post All Star break, last twenty to you know fifteen twenty games of the, se- of the season is to get ready for the playoffs. And, you know, I've said it all, all season, and, and obviously we're pretty much all on the same page, but, you know, the seeding is not – at least I feel I don't think seeding is that big of an issue for this team at this moment. Um, it's just get healthy, and you're getting – you're seeing reinforcements on the way. And, um, you know, that's, that's, that's that, man. I think it's, we're at a great spot in this uh, roller coaster of the season right now. Just forever confident. Nothing can shake. Always. Nothing's shaking, man. Just as, as, as long as you're not losing in April, May, and June, the chill. Yeah, I'm with you on that. Like, they showed some good stuff this week. And I think especially looking at that Clippers game, you know, sort of 
that felt like a game that they could have easily lost just based on the stretch that they've been on where they play with some energy. They're a little funky and like how they get their offense going, but they came out and showed out. And like you said, you know, even guys like Kuminga have been so consistent, like he's scoring at least in the teens and like the last yeah, four games. Yeah, he's in at least 15, 16. Um, yeah, yeah, averaging 21, like 18, 18, five, the last four games. Crazy. 21, six and six with no turnovers against the Clippers. Like that's, those are those just kind of random pop games you can get from him where he just like carries you off the bench and can provide so much more than really anyone they have like in their, in that forward room and that big room just off, off the things he can do. And I love, I love watching it every night, but especially in games like this where it feels like they sort of need that extra push over the edge. You know, if he's getting them five points, maybe they're not winning it. And like, and he's the kind of like these are the kind of players that like you need the Kamingas, the Moody's, the um, Jordan Pools to show up in playoff series. As um, you know, we get closer there. Are you feeling like you guys are kind of seeing that playoff rotation? Obviously, we haven't seen Draymond back um, come back on Monday um, against the Wizards, but um, are you guys starting to see some some roles that these guys are starting to fill for a playoff run? That obviously, I think. I think everybody on this on this uh, listen to this and on this podcast knows that, that you know we're in for a deep run this year, and you know you're going to need guys to fill these roles. So are you seeing that you know kind of start to take shape? Yeah, I think just the fact that those guys Kaminga and Moody are getting like twenty to twenty seven or eight minutes a night right now. It feels like, and they're getting minutes ahead of guys who you feel like traditionally might might not be or they might not be. Um, I know it's kind of been the reverse way of thinking of late, but I kind of think just because he's, he can play the four effectively right now, I think Kuminga actually might have a better chance of getting minutes in the playoffs, depending again on health. I think if we're an Iguodala both healthy, I think it's probably a lot less likely. I'm kind of scratching Iguodala off my like golden state wish list personally, just because I don't know what and when he'll be healthy and how long he can stay healthy at this point. Um, but it just seems like, they, those guys at the very least they're they're unflappable you know they're not guy they're not rattled at all they're both ready for the moment they both want to be out there and i think even if they're not like playoff staple rotations i don't know about you guys i want to know what you think but i feel like those two guys are playoff ready mentally and i think they can contribute in the playoffs whether or not Kurt goes that direction i think it'll depend on a lot of different things but I don't look at those two guys and think to myself like hey there's no way like they're going to get played off the court like they both have really um, specific strengths that will apply for very specific moments. And actually more applies to Kaminga. Moody is just like, Hey, go guard one through four, go crash the glass and, and be a pain in the ass basically in every aspect you can. Um, and so I think, yes, I think those guys are ready for some playoff rotation minutes. Um, I, whether or not they get them, I'm curious what you guys think. So I, think the Iggy question is a big one, like whether or not he's in there, especially because they like him slotting in as sort of the bench like point guard of sorts, where he's basically just guarding guards and moving the ball around where pool can do most of the initiation. But I think if they're all healthy, they'll want to keep rolling with Steph, Clay, Wiggins, Draymond, Looney, uh, starting those games. What they close with is another question uh, that we'll get into, but I think, Looking at the bench, ideally they'd have Iggy and Poole sort of forming that weird backcourt. Uh, I think you'd have Kuminga and probably OPJ being sort of their weird front court that like somehow works, even though both of them are basically wings. 
And I think at this point, like if he keeps it up, like you start just got to giving those minutes at the three to Moses Moody. Like, even if, you know, I get the, like, conceptually, it's like, oh, you have these two young guys on the floor. Like, that could be trouble, you know, counting Jordan Poole, too. But you've got two steady veterans around them that really know what they're doing. You present it with a lineup where everyone can switch around. They can all shoot a little bit. They can all score, basically, except for Iguodala. But he's, like, probably the best pure facilitator and just taking care of things there. So, that's I think that's sort of that top 10 playoff rotation you might see and who gets the squeeze out of there is a question, you know, like probably a guy like Moody. Uh, I think you'd probably see it more of a top nine, but I think that's a good problem to have. Like I feel good about having a lot of those guys in these spots and, you know, Damian Lee, like we gave him crap here and there, but like the dude, you know, he still makes shots. Like he still knows where to be. And you could do a lot worse than like an eighth or ninth man in your playoff rotation uh, if that's what it comes down to with health. So I guess a better question might be is who's not. I mean, the way it's, it's 15 guys, right? Who's not in that playoff rotation? Who would you say for sure is, not even for sure, I guess Kerr's a wild man, but who would you guess is not seeing heavy minutes? I think barely off the top of my head. I, I, I mean, Charlie, I mean, yes, Damon Lee has, you know, shown up at occasions, but I think. To, to Matt's earlier point, I think that Kuminga and Moody kind of fill Moody especially when he's able to, you know, consistently hit these threes and um, defend as, you know, that three and D kind of guy that he's shown so far. Like, I don't really see the need to cut out those minutes where he's producing at a high level for Damian Lee, who, you know, he will occasionally hit, you know, big shots and, um, you know, he has, but a lot of time he's, he's coming up short, he's missing open shots, he's not... He's not the guy you want. You have confidence in, um, or at least I wouldn't have confidence in the dude, um, you know, with, uh, in a playoff game. So with, you know, the way these rookies and um, obviously Poole's not, Poole's not a rookie and um, Otto Porter Jr., he's a, he's a vet at this point. But um, the way these guys have, you know, showcased what they can do throughout the season, especially with, you know, uh, Clay being out initially and now Draymond out, um, just playing around Steph, these guys, they're figuring out. So, you know, I, in terms of who's out, I'd say Belly, but I think, the Warriors' depth itself is is a very good problem to have. Like, you, you, if you have Damian Lee, if you have Moses Moody, Kuminga, you know you have guys that can contribute. Um, so I think it's a good problem to have as you're at this stage of the season. Yeah, and I think when talking about the question of how deep this team can potentially go, like I really love what they can bring to the table. Like I think arguably, you know, if if Poole and Kuminga are sort of your top two subs on the bench. Like I just love that top seven of a playoff rotation and you can sort of mix and match who's playing at the end around that. Like that's, that's so much talent. That's so much scoring to deal with. That's a lot of defense. And I think the best part about that is that it's so like interchangeable. I mean, basically besides Looney, like Looney's always doing his one thing all the time. Like, everyone on that team can move around. They can play a lot of different roles. Like they can guard up, they can guard down. And that's going to be a lot of fun for them to push and pull like in the playoffs. It's, it's going to be interesting to see how Gary Payton, the second fits back into all this because come playoff time and especially against, I mean, first round series right now is the Warriors are three or they they're tied for two right now. So I guess it's either uh, Denver or, 
Minnesota? Is that right? Yeah, playing the whoever wins at seven eight, but Minnesota for now. I, uh, I, com- I completely forgot about GP two and all this. That's exactly <laughs> what I was thinking too. I was like, wait, we're missing a guy. Um, but when it comes to Memphis and Phoenix and what are probably going to be a second and third round matchup, uh, he's going to be getting a lot of minutes on Jaw, on Booker, on CP, and. It's just going to be the Warriors have a lot of options, but they have a lot of they're really interesting in that. Like Gary Payton, I, who knows? But my, my biggest concern for him is offensively in the playoffs. Like, what's that guy? What's a guy who really has fallen off uh, shooting wise in the last half of the season? Um, who gets a lot of his his baskets in the? I don't know. Why I said that with an accent. Baskets. It's a lot of his baskets with the uh, with the, within the flow of the Warriors offense um, as a cutter. How many how effective can he be on offense? It's going to be a big question, but he's going to get a lot of minutes. So it's going to be interesting. I think they can they can go 10, 11 guys deep. Um, the guys I would say I don't expect to see a whole lot of are the guys we all were all thinking JTA, um, Fialita. My God, I have never, I don't even, I he makes. David Lee in 2013 looked like the flash. Like he is the slowest <laughs> man I've ever seen in my life. I don't, he, he bit on a free throw line extended pump fake from, from Boogie yesterday <laughs> and Boogie went and dunked it and Boogie. I don't, I don't know, man. Boogie was eating Belly's lunch last night. Um, but yeah, anyway, sorry, long tangent Boogie, uh, Barney Bielitsa, JTA, Damian Lee. And I don't think we'll come to this later. I don't think we see a whole lot of wise in the playoffs. Um, but those four guys that I expect to be very rarely, if at all, used, and then the other eleven I can see being used pretty sporadically throughout. Yeah, I'm with you there. I completely blanked on GP two just to have him not playing in the last few games. But I kind of, I'm kind of with you, Matt. Like I think Iggy just, I'm not counting on him being there all the time, and. If you just it's go just, ahead. it's just the ultimate insurance, just you got him like just to put him out there in the in the situation. But yeah. Um yeah, and I think that's the fun thing about how well he slides in is being like sort of that guard defender, but really on offensively, he plays like a big. So you have, you know, a guy like Jordan Poole just sort of acting like the point guard, and you have Moses Moody who can like be a pretty a pretty damn good too. Like Damian Lee naturally slots in at the two. Kaminga can play a straight wing and then you can give Gary more space to do those short roles, like just cut because he's an unreal cutter. The shot hasn't like the shot from deep hasn't been quite as good as it was on that hot stretch, but you still have to respect it. So. (laughs) I mean, so one guy, one guy we have been leaving out of um, a lot of these this early discussion is uh, our guy, uh, all-star starter, man, uh, Andrew Wiggins. Um, and, you know, as we, as we kind of talk about this playoff lineup and rotation, um, obviously Wiggins is a big factor in that, but I feel like we have, we, you know, established four guys. Um, I think that you can confidently put out there in Steph, Clay, Jordan Poole, Draymond Green. Um, and obviously, you know, there's another spot available. Who is that fifth guy? Is it Andrew Wiggins? Cause you know, as much as we love our, ourselves some Maple Jordan and Air Canada or whatever, um, the guy's been struggling. Um, you know, just post All Star break, it's been it's been a stark contrast to what we saw earlier. Um, this it's settling too much for jumpers. It feels like he's not attacking the rim nearly as much as he was, and not nearly with enough uh, confidence. And um, the free throws. I mean, he's shooting twenty five percent. He's worse than Shaq at some point, which I 
you know, I, th- I thought that was in the past possible, but hey, like these, it's it's a historically bad slump. And I know Steve Kerr said that you know he's not worried, and uh, you know Andrew's going to find his game. But as you kind of get close to the end of the season, and Draymond starts coming back, you have four guys that you know you're ready to run with. Is Andrew Wiggins that fifth guy, or who is that fifth guy? Who, who do you guys think is that perfect piece to finish that puzzle? So I think if you're talking about a closing lineup and, you know, if we're fitting in that fifth piece, like these are assuming close minutes, like Warriors needing points. And let's say teams are pretty confident that Andrew Wiggins is like a coin flip free throw shooter right now. They're just going to hack him like that. That's just such an easy out. Uh, Why wouldn't you, if you just know you can lock in a point, on each possession down the stretch and just frustrate the hell out of the Warriors, like play Wiggins right off the floor. And it's just, that's like, that's a deal breaker. You know, you can't, you like, you can, teams have tried to do that with Looney, but he's, you know, he's like low sixties ish. Like it's not great, but like, you know, it's a strategy you can employ, but you know, he's not going to be out there anyways. So like you could maybe hack Draymond, but he's making like low seventies, I think that would really, really put a hole in the Warriors' closing lineup if he can't figure out that issue. So I think that's the most defining thing. If he's not killing you at the line and he's back to like his normal, like in the 70s, and he's not like just missing every three he takes, then I think they'll still have him in there just for the defense, like that versatility. And, you know, you, you talked about like him, like him at the four, you know, it's been it's been a weird adjustment and it's not the ideal one, but he can still do things like when he's playing there and, you know, Aaron Gordon like physically outmatched him, but Aaron Gordon also scored like eight points and then 10 points and shot horribly in the second game. Uh, big assist to Moses Moody on that one too, who's getting a lot of time on him and banging around down there. But I think that's the dividing thing for me is like, if he's, if he's out of this free throw slump, then I think he's got to be the guy that's out there. But if he's not, like, I think you have to give it to Kaminga because he's just proved to be the most potent threat, like scoring the ball. He's just vicious against mismatches. Like, he's just got this so down where, you know, you saw it against, like, the Clippers. He was like, okay, I have Zubox in space. I'm going to make, like, one side-to-side dribble. I'm just going to fly past you. And either you can foul me or, like, I'm just going to dunk it or lay it in. And against a guy like Devon Reed, who's a little skinnier, he just goes back down, back down, like throw his ass into the basket and then go get a layup because you just backed him down 15 feet. Like that's an, that's such a tough thing to contend with in the playoffs. And especially if he's making his free throws, like constantly getting hacked. Like I, I don't, I, I'd love to hear an argument for a non Kuminga if it's not Wiggins, like he's just, He's just proved that he's earned it. So I want to. I want to first before I argue. I want to aggressively agree with you that I. I love it, and I think there's something to be said. Um, listen, this is people keep saying we're getting Minnesota Wiggins. This is not Minnesota Wiggins. Averaged 20 points a game. Okay, Minnesota Wiggins was making his free throws at a 70 plus percent clip. We are getting. I don't know what we're getting. We're getting like we're getting like Andres Biedrin's, uh, You know. Dude, we're, we're starting, getting, man. This is beans have better free throw percentage, bro. Come on now. Oh, jeez, man. 
Bob, it, it, like like Mike Wiggins, like someone somewhere like stole his powers and is like hitting all the free throws somewhere. So in Cambridge pre shoes. It occurred to me the other day. I was watching one of these games, and we're gonna get to Clay eventually, and well, that'll be a different thing. But it's it's frustrating in a way to watch Wiggins with every athletic gift in the world not take advantage of most of them and kind of kind of just disappear in these large moments. And Clay, who's trying so hard to come back from two horrible injuries, work his ass off and wants so badly to be out there. It's just the the juxtaposition there, just like really it made me mad for a quick second. Then I remember, hey, it's kind of what we traded for. It's who Wiggins can be at certain points. Um at the end of a playoff game, I want to go down with five guys who want to be out there and want to take you out. And I want, you know, they're willing to do what they have to do to win a game. And right now we know there are four guys, the four guys we talked about, Steph Clay, Draymond, and Jordan Poole, I think he, he'll die on the floor, right? Um, and I think Kaminga has that same mindset. He's fearless. And the three-point shot the last month has been like, I want to say in the 40s or something stupid. He's shooting Charlie off the top of your head or Gotham off the top of your head. Do you know from the free throw line? Because they're just, he looks confident and they're just looks good. Better than twenty five percent, I'll tell you that. Chuck, go find it and get back, right? But um, I love it. <laughs> I love the idea of coming out there. I love the idea of you know Draymond in that back line barking at a guy like that helps so much. And just having him out there to actually say, "Hey, yes, coming is going to screw up," but having a guy like Draymond to cover that up for one, like literally physically cover it up, and two, be barking as your defensive anchor is going to help that a lot. Um, so Chuck, I'm all about it. If it comes down to it, and we see coming out there. There's nothing um, that makes me feel like no. Um, with that being said, there, I'm sure there'll be moments where you got the free throw count. Uh, not only, yeah, not only the free throw, he's shooting 55, 42, 83 since the all-star break. Jesus. Yeah. That's ridiculous, man. And I, I, I mean, again, I have another take coming up, but, um, if, if that, I mean, he's not going to shoot. He's not a 40% three point shooter. I, I don't think so. But if he's a 35, if he's, 48, 72, and 36. I'll take it. That's fantastic. I mean, the, it's, even, it's even a small thing, too, just to look at this and say, like, you know, the playoffs, like, it's not even, like, not even using the cliche, like, oh, it's 16 games. Like, part of it is it's 16 games. You know, like, crazy things can happen over a small amount of games. Over eight games, he's taking four threes a game, and he's hitting 42% of them. Like, just to know that he's capable of a run like that is so and, much more important, you know? Exactly. And I think, like, this – I totally agree with you, Charlie and Matt. I think Kuminga is that fifth guy. And I don't think – a lot of it is not – obviously, Andrew Wiggins' recent struggles um, have uh, have played a part in it. But I think Kuminga just has that X factor where you just – you're just confident with him on the floor. And I think, obviously, he's gone through some struggles. And, um, you know, but the, to the point where he's playing at right now, you're confident when he's out there on the floor to – at least, you know, at the very least, get foul, get to the line, get some points. You know, defensively, you're able to put him in different spots. So, I mean, honestly, in the playoffs, like you said, Chuck, you're trying to win 16 games, and each series is going to get harder and harder, and guys like Kuminga are the ones that have that, you know, that potential to put you over the top in a series where, um, you know, the smallest the smallest difference might be the uh, difference between the ring and not. So, I think Kuminga – Especially with you know, as we've seen the youth, the youth, the youth movement this season, um, you know, I think you got to ride him. But that being said, I think Andrew Wiggins to take nothing away from him, he has shown that he is also a very capable person to um, close this uh, close with these these four guys. So um, you know, hopefully he gets through this slump. But 
I don't know if you can downplay how good Kuminga has been and how lethal he can be in, in the playoff situation. I do want to point out too, just on top of all that, I mean, Kuminga and Wiggins are in the same, I, th- I think, to be, I think Kuminga is like 99 percentile, 100 percentile athlete. I think Wiggins is probably 99. You don't ever, you would never leave a game watching those guys play and not know Kaminga was was in that level of athleticism, and you would leave most games not knowing that about Wiggins. And that's just what's frustrating is it's just not Kaminga wants to get out there, and he knows he knows his body, and he's willing to use his body to do things that he knows nobody else in the team can do. And Wiggins just doesn't do that. And right now, again, the numbers are there. Um, I do want I did want to bring up a couple other guys that could be in that spot potentially, just because I think. Um, it, we it, it it'd be we'd be remiss in our duties to say there wouldn't be some moments potentially where Kaminga might falter on defense and potentially blow a couple things. Um, Otto Porter's got to be thought of there potentially. He's just he's a smart, 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 smart defender. He's not fast. He's not. He's pretty long. He's not fast at all though. But he knows exactly where to be, and he um, he's he's just a smart guy. He's a smart player, and he can spread the hell out of the floor. Um, with that being said, I don't. You can, there's not really a thing as such a thing as too much spacing. I don't think, but without having somebody like Kaminga though, which is the kind of the, the um, antithesis of what I'm saying, I guess it's hard to justify that much spacing when no one's going to the rim. And so that's kind of my only concern there, but I think we also got to bring up our guy. I'm actually serious when I say this, Kavon Louie, because he is the fifth. He he's, he's really good on defense. Like he's just good. Like he's really smart. He's really good. He can guard other teams, bigs, um, he's in really good sync with Draymond. And I think when you have a potential three-man liability, potential, just saying, in Steph, JP, and and Clay, having two guys like Draymond and Looney behind you, uh, I, I think the Warriors can do worse. And so I would expect, generally speaking, that it'd be one of uh, those three guys we mentioned, but I don't think it would have to be Kaminga. I think both Porter and Looney could uh, feasibly and reasonably be in that spot. I I can see some situations too where, you know, sort of as the blanket option, like ideally you'd like to have Wiggins in there if he's playing well. But I think if you're going against like the Nuggets, you don't want to put Draymond at the five on Jokic, not only because it's just a lot on his body, but Draymond is best used when he's away from the action and he can sort of read, especially a playmaker like Jokic, like you want him countering everything that Jokic is doing with his passing. You don't want him like, you know, body on body. Like Kavan is so good at it. And like, I mean, Jokic is just like disgusting. He's going to eat regardless, but like at the very least, like Looney is a body that's going to stick in front of him. He's going to make life tough. He's going to fight on the glass and he's not biting on fakes. Like he's not just like getting himself like fouled out of the game. And but he's also committing smart, smart fouls. Like when he was beat a couple of times, he was not at never, never. I don't think once did he foul Jokic in an and one. He was like, nah, dude, if you're going to get the bucket right now, you are not, you're going to the line. And Jokic missed some free throws. Jokic was tired. I mean, he does, dude, he just like, he just rips down. Like he just knows what he's doing. Like he's not getting flagrants. He's just like, look, this isn't going anywhere near the rim. Like, I'm getting my money's worth on this one, but like, you're not getting three points out of this buddy. Like that's, that's dead on. Like that's a skill, you know, like it's not a, like you don't want a guy like doing that six times a game, obviously, but like 
he he just knows what he's doing and like he's gonna make Jokic work for every one of those points and he will he'll get there like a lot of the time but I think that's that's sort of the thing is like it sounds like a terrifying thing out out loud but like if you're playing a team like that or like you know say the Sixers not to get too ahead of things but like if you're going against these matchups with like a dominant body like that I think you just need Kavon in there because he's the perfect counter. Like you said, really does give Draymond a chance to float for one. I mean, float in a good way, like a safety kind of way, not like a, uh, like a James Harden kind of way. Um, and just again, a guy that battles his ass off. Like I, I, Looney's one of those guys that you watch and you're just like, this guy might, might be dead in 10 minutes. <laughs> he's he's not he might not make it to the, uh, hips, the post the interview today it's, because it's, he's going to be lying down on the bench and people are going to be saying their goodbyes that's like that's what's happening sometimes with Looney so um anyway yeah any of those guys but Gotham what, what are you thinking no I mean you guys kind of killed it man I can't I can't disagree with any loon dog takes man those were those were uh spot on I just think the way he's just not only shown how vital he is to this team this year, but just consistently, like you said, man, he's, a, he's an iron man. I, I don't know how I think he's made of like iron, but like the hips look like the, you need to like, you got to put oil on him. Like, I don't know what it is, man, but he's there every game. Um, and like, he's, he's one of the best defenders we have outside of Draymond Green. So I mean, <clears throat> definitely, but I, again, I just think this, 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 this topic of discussion kind of goes back to show that there's a lot of options. Like you have, that core four of um, Steph, Clay, Draymond, JP, and you know who I, there's going to be guys. We have you have the bodies to fill whatever holes are left over, and there's guys available for different situations. So I think you know microcosm. You can look at what 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 might work, what not. It doesn't, but I think long term uh, you, you're suited well for a playoff run. You know, regardless of who you face, Memphis second round, Phoenix third round, whatever it is. Um, you're going to be able to have, you know, as long as everyone's healthy, you have the personnel to uh, to get that job done. But um, yeah, that being said, um, Clay Thompson. Man. I know that's the next one. I don't know who wants to take a stab at it, but so Clay has had a rough, a rough post All Star break. He's dealt with sickness. He's dealt with. Um, some fatigue it looks like and we're going to tell you all about our thoughts on clay's fatigue shortly after i tell you about anchor oh you even had me for a second wow i know i was like okay hold on, hold on. oh okay <laughs> all right see you guys in a minute yo 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 welcome back guys matt thank you so much for those words from anchor shout out anchor love you guys homies um but as we were so nicely um, kind of stuck on a cliff there with Matt at the end, um, Clay Thompson, ladies and gentlemen, um, as much as it pains us to say here on the Game Six Clay podcast, um, it's been in a slump, man. He's not been the Clay Thompson that uh, we know. We see, we've seen. I know he's seen the one that we named this podcast after. But um, Clay Thompson, um, what's what's going on there, man? What uh, what is it, is it? Just you know, just lumps through the recovery process coming back or is this a sign of concern as you know as this kind of stretch gets longer what do you guys think i think the concern is not like you know i don't think we've seen anything like one funny point that i heard on the broadcast last night like stan van gundy said 
you know, everyone was expecting Clay Thompson to come back and be the old Clay Thompson. And I was like, find me the guy who said that because I don't (laughs) think anyone expected a guy coming off a torn ACL and Achilles to just be the same guy, you know, like that wasn't going to happen. That wasn't on the table. Like no one thought it would get to that point. Even Clay, who's like an eternal optimist, like unbelievably hard work, you know, just said like, it's a road back. Like, it's not like he's ruled out getting back to where he was, but it wasn't just going to be perfect from the start. And now I think the concern you have is, are he, is he still going to be working through struggles and being like a suboptimal player for, you know, the role they put him in? I'm not saying he's like not a good player right now. It's just that they're asking him to be clay and he can't be clay right now. Like, and that's, that's sort of the struggle you're in is, if he, you know, we have what 15 games left down the stretch. Like if he's still just, you know, struggling to put up more points than shots on a night to night basis and not seeing that defensive agility you want to see, not making reads because he's just trying to get back into his rhythm shooting. Like just the amount of times where you've just been like, dude, like stop taking these content. Like you have a wide open teammate in the corner. Like you've always made that pass. Like, why are you not making it now? Like uh, that, that I think sort of gets to the point where you're like, all right, like, can we keep expecting him to work through these things into the playoffs or do we have to like, you know, maybe do things a little differently uh, just to try to maximize that opportunity. What, what does doing things differently look like for you, Chuck? I think doing things differently just involves honestly, like, like I think, I think it gets to a point where if this keeps up and like you see Jordan Poole playing well, especially if he's shooting well, I think you have to make the change at least in the closing lineup. Like you can keep clay out there as a starter, but that I think you can get away with because, you know, he's going to be playing next to uh, Steph. He's going to be playing next to Wiggins. Hopefully he's, not doing his current stuff, uh, but he'll be out there with Draymond. Like he's got enough chemistry to make it work with those guys. But if pool is just clearly the better offensive player and Clay's not bringing that sort of defense that, um, that we're accustomed to seeing, like, I don't think you can really have him. And, you know, like some of these, some of these lineups, like you can't depend on him for the same, level of minutes and production and offensive usage in the playoffs. And that doesn't mean, you know, like you have to like knock him to the bench all the time and like cut his minutes, like cut his role, whatever. But like you have to start giving, giving more touches to the guys who are producing like plain and simple. And, you know, clay, it, I, I don't expect that to be a problem because like clay is the ultimate professional, but like there comes a breaking point where you can't just like let him, you know, huck whatever he wants uh, just to try to get back in rhythm. Yeah. I mean, I agree, man. I think I I find this question a little funny because I think that realistically there's no solution Um, because as much as, you know, we can talk about, uh, you know, reducing Clay's role or changing it up a little bit, you know, that's not going to happen barring something crazy. Um, So I think, mentality of the team and I think the mentality of fans as well should should be more so looking at Clay figuring set himself back out in this new kind of post like post injury body. 
because I mean, I feel like it was cool seeing Bogey this last, this last week just because you know he's really the only other guy I can think of that went through an ACL and an Achilles um, to come back. And obviously, you know, he's not the Boogie Cousins of 2016, 2017, but um, you know, he's still a very solid NBA player. And he's kind of you've seen him adjust to you know, obviously, a much bigger dude than Clay, way more pounds, but. Um, you know, he's, he's, he's adjusting to the speed of the game. You know, he's coming, let it come to himself. Um, so Boogie, like, has, has found himself a new role. And I think Clay, not saying that his role is changing or is not changing, but his body's definitely different. I think for him, like, the only thing that he's got to change is stop pressing. Um, like you said, I think he's just, you know, going out of his way to, you know, take a bad shot just to, you know, because he's Clay Thompson and, you know, he can't make that shot. And if it goes in, it's obviously a great um, <clears throat> commons booster or not. But, you know, I think for, the team in terms of managing Clay's struggles, I don't know if there's anything you can do outside of, you know, let him figure it out. Cause um, you do have some, you know, time to play your sleep. Obviously starting to play some winning basketball guys stepping up. So you're getting, uh, you're getting, you know, Clay figuring out again. I think he played well before all-star break. So we know what he's capable of. And I think for him to just stop pressing and um, let the game come to him, like you said, Charlie, like normally he makes that pass um, instead of uh, forcing another shot. Like stuff like that, small stuff like that, which is just going to come with more confidence. And, um, you know, he did miss those couple games early after the All-Star break. So um, in terms of managing, nothing really. In terms of uh, Clay, you know, just let it come to him uh, in, in, in good time. Yeah, I think I kind of probably fall right between you guys. I don't – I think that Kerr needs to, like, kind of keep letting Clay play the not the way he's been playing to be clear I want somebody's got to get in his ear and be like hey man your best stretch of the season came when you weren't just hoisting like you were you were playing within the offense you were um catch and shoot threes relocation threes um occasionally playing on the block and I think that's kind of what his role needs to be and I think that's fine I think he's he's been playing bad of late like he's been taking the team out of the offense um and I think there are some effects past you know effects past the actual basketball that he can start having. I don't know if you guys have noticed, but pool has looked clay off like quite a few times, actually in the last few games. And he's hit the shots though. Like that last, one of those last big threes that pool hit clay was wide ass open uh, for the swing pass. It was right there and pool took the shot and he knocked it down, which that's great. You want pool to take that shot and be confident to take that shot in a different world. He's throwing that ball to the corner and clay Thompson's knocking down that shot or shooting that shot at least. Um, I think, I think Clay will get back to a point where he's playable in the playoffs in a closing lineup. That's my prediction. I think by the time that rolls around, I think he's there, and I think, um, I think that will not be a. I, my prediction is that it will not be a problem. However, I do think that when that time comes, though, and if he is a problem, I think Kerr needs to be willing to make that change if that's what happens. I think like in that game, hey egos aside you got to go with your five best guys in a playoff game at the end of the game and i think clay will be one of those guys but again if clay's doing this bullshit where it's forcing the absolute hell out of every shot double on the post uh you know turn around fade and it's it's breaking like hey man you gotta you gotta pass out of that and there was a couple situations i don't know if you guys caught it but like towards the second half of the game he looked a lot better he looked a lot more under control he passed out of a couple of double teams passed out of a couple of traps and it led to good looks for for his teammates. And that's kind of the thing. It's like, Hey man, your team, you play better and your team plays noticeably better when you're willing, when you're willing to move the ball. And I think, again, I think it takes like one good stretch. And I think, especially there, there's that stretch where pool clay and Steph were out there the other day and they were just like, they were finding each other. They were looking for each other and the offense was absolutely humming. 
And Clay was making those passes. He wasn't forcing things anymore because I think he kind of realized like, Hey, I don't need to do this anymore. I can move the ball around. I can find my teammates, especially my two teammates are two incredibly dynamic, small guards who can hit, um, hit pretty much any shot in the floor, get any shot in the floor. He looked a lot more comfortable and he was making reads that were a lot more beneficial for the team's offense. And that's, again, I think when the time comes, I think I, I do think that's where he hands up, but there's gotta be some, somebody in his ear telling him, Hey man, like, and maybe it's just him. It literally not. Maybe it is him trying to shoot his way out of his slump, right? It's him trying to say, Hey, I'm going to, I'm going to shoot the shit out of the ball until it starts going down. When in reality, it's not happening. And I, I get the mindset, but again, Draymond Kerr, um, one of those two guys, honestly, because no one else is going to do it. Steph's not going to do it. Needs to be like, hey, calm the fuck down, to be honest. Like, you got to stop taking some of these shots. And I get it. And I think there'll come a time when those shots maybe start falling, but it's not even the same shot diet he used to have. Like, he wasn't taking some of these shots before. And it's like, why are we doing this now? So, yeah, he's had some stuff too. Like, in that Nuggets game, you know, it went the other way where, like, he had a shot and like, you know, we've seen him hit him when he's going, when he's going well, but these are shots like bad shots he's taking when he's not going well. And late in the nuggets, like Moses Moody had a great possession to like, he saved the ball on the baseline, like ball swings back over to clay entire nuggets defense shifts over towards clay. And usually I'm a, you know, you're accustomed to him making that return pass back to pool in the corner. And like, just off the pure, just off the way the Warriors move the ball, like they'll take an open corner three over any kind of like mid range jumper. And instead of passing out of it, he takes like a ridiculous leaner shot, like crazy angle, manages to bank it in. But it's just, you know, like it's kind of the process there that's so frustrating where like your teammate works really hard to save the ball. Poole swings it over to the other side to you expecting this return pass because that's the best play. And you just go and shoot because you're just so centered on like getting your rhythm back. And like, that's just the kind of stuff where, you know, it's, it's not only, like you said, interrupting the offense, but that's the kind of thing that can frustrate when the games are starting to mean more like, you know, if he's sort of in that same mentality in playoff games and it's starting to like cost them points down the stretch or, even games like that's going to start to just create a whole lot of frustration around them. Totally. Yeah. Can't, I mean, I can't, I can't, uh, can't disagree with anything said there, but, um, you know, obviously if uh, Matt, you got anything more with clay? Um, no, I mean, again, I think, I think they can kind of mitigate a tiny bit of this by playing him honestly a three at the three, the four, a little more. Um, and as far as defensive passability goes, I mean, I, offensively it's on him to be honest it's not on anybody else to get this thing right it's on him to be be a better decision maker and um defensively again it's he's slower now he can't move his lateral movement's not what it was and he might get back there but right now it's not there and i think again we've seen him play really good defense in the post and against bigger guys and i think putting in positions where he's able to do that more often it'll help but as far as the clay stuff again it's it's all it's it's on clay you know i don't think it's on anybody else and like just real quick, I think the team itself has enough good defensive, good defenders, and is a good enough de- defensive team like for Clay not to feel like they have to shoulder that burden. So I agree. I think it's all on Clay. Like, like you know, I feel like he knows he's present too. And so I think we're get, hopefully you know these next few games um, as we start to see Draymond getting back, 
Cleo start finding shots in the offense, um, just stuff he's comfortable with. So, um, you know, I, I'm not not worried about Clay in terms of, you know, what he's going to provide down the stretch. But somebody that obviously big uh, emphasis on the big, but big, uh, big, uh, big people tuned in the G League game, G League game last night. Um, second, second overall pick, 2020 draft, James Wiseman. Um, obviously, you've done a lot more talking about Wise off the court than on the court. Um, a lot of speculation, a lot of, you know, what to do, trade him, don't trade him. Is he a bust? Is he David Robinson? Um, but we finally got a chance to look at him uh, last night. Uh, obviously, first game back after a while, meniscus tear, rehab. Um, but the kid looked great, man. I think, uh, Charlie, uh, it's only right if you take this away after that um, remarkable piece you had um, on Outlook Pass. But um, take it away, man. You are you, – what did you see um, from, from Wiseman, um, just the debut and just going deeper into what he – can provide for the team? Is he going to provide for the team, or what's uh, your overall take? Yeah, so I think within the context of looking at you know where we where we where we thought he was, uh, if you haven't seen the article, go check it out in my pinned tweet. But I sort of tried to build off from what was going there and see, okay, like he didn't really have a whole lot of lateral quickness going on, uh, but he had a little more of that than I expected. Uh, in last night's game compared to where he was before. Hopefully that's something that's just you would expect after a guy who's been rehabbing all these lower body injuries and trying to get that burst back. Uh, The other thing that did stand out is not only is he doing four minute stints, but he was pretty gassed like towards the end of those. And that's just, you know, a dude working back into game shape, you know, that doesn't like, it's not a knock on him at all. It just sort of says to where you're at in the rehab process. And, you know, with, 15 games left until the playoffs that just sort of shortens the expectations of him maybe getting back to the rotation. But on the whole, I felt it was pretty good for James. He was still kind of struggling as a rebounder. Like he's just a little too high with his like center of gravity and, you know, guys can get under him around him a lot easier than you'd like, but he's just like brute force offensively. He looked so much more engaged physically. He was setting some pretty vicious screens. Like he's just absolutely stoned a couple guys, like right at the, right at this like initial part of the screen, he was holding some of them really well, like getting a good wide enough base where he could like really drag into a guy and like stop him for a good second. Like it was really good stuff to see. And I think he rolled hard around the rim. He didn't see as contact averse as we were used to, you know, there were still some possessions where you could sort of tell he decided like, I'm going to shoot this jumper. Like, I don't care what's happening, but like what, you know, like what you look for is progress and these sort of things. And I, I think you saw a lot more aggression. Uh, his, it felt like he was confident out there as opposed to just like panicked trying to like shoot and, you know, participate, like sort of catch up and, I think he felt it felt like it was proactive instead of reactive for him, which is good to see. So, you know, on the whole, that's, that's what you look for and putting up like 18 points in 20 minutes, just like looking so physically dominant out there. Like the dude is just huge. Uh, Like there, he might be the biggest guy in the league when he gets back. Like, (laughs) I think he's easily pushing 260. Like, maybe more than that. Um, 
it's it's just insane to watch him out there. <laughs> like just all shoulders everywhere. <laughs> I've always kind of thought like you know, myths about giants have existed for a long time and they came from people who I'm guessing at some point thousands of years ago saw a guy as big as James Wiseman and just didn't know what the hell they were looking at, man. Because I, when he was on the court yesterday, I was like, what am I looking, what is this man? What is this man? And I think, I think he's bigger than DeAndre Ayton and DeAndre Ayton's built like Hercules and I think he – I'm excited to see those guys match up at some point. And, again, not not for the basketball aspect. I just want to see how Wiseman looks physically next to this guy because you're totally right. Um, Charlie, I only caught a little bit of that game, and you're 100% though, the Wiseman guy. If you guys haven't read Charlie's article, it is like a – it is the Bible to James Wiseman's um, career trajectory. Yeah, it's it's awesome. Um, and it kind of gives you just realistic expectations based on kind of how he performed last year and what you can kind of look at as far as improvement goes. But – he did just look so much more willing to be physical, which I think Charlie, you kind of mentioned is one of those things that you want to look at, especially on the offensive end, willing to like bang around a little bit and willing to um, just, you really throw his body around a little more is what I kind of saw. And I know you were really pumped to see him kind of reading the floor a little better. Um, I, I want to know if you guys feel like, and Gotham, I'll start with you here. If you feel like there's any chance that um, Wiseman's able to crack, I mean, regular season rotation for one and then, um, playoff rotation is that all a thing that we should expect? Look, I'm not. I'm not going to lie and say out here that I think after watching last night that you know I think that he's going to be producing to help win a championship. That being said, for a team that needs size and there's just a you have a seven foot monster like you guys are saying that as long as he's out there setting screens, just chaining shots at the rim and. uh you know, just just getting dunks, like just getting lobs or whatever you can and just cleaning up the paint. I don't see how he can't help out this team. I mean, I saw enough last night where obviously rough around the edges. Um, you know, he had some uh, – took some jump shots. And I, I mean, I, think, I, I still think he's a very good jump shooter. He's just been going. But, um, you know, you saw him work himself into kind of playing shape. And as he does that, um, I don't see why he's – how he doesn't help out. I'm not saying he's going to be playing 20, 25 minutes a night. Who knows how it how might be. But if – we got Bielitsa playing the five, um, and we've seen how he's been getting killed um, defensively and offensively. You know, I would rather have the threat of James Wiseman just towering over fools and belly, you know, pump faking a three and driving in traffic. So I, I don't see how he doesn't help out this team, man. I, I think especially in spot minutes, just as he gets absolutely no, there's no pressure on him to, you know, produce or produce at a high level. Just come in and, you know, be seven foot, be a seven foot monster that you are. And, you know, I, Give him some, you know, you can cut him some slack for not having played a lot of basketball games, but, you know, this is the second year of the league. He's had a whole year of rehab, and he's been working with this team. He's, working, he's, been, he's been working his way back. So I don't see how he doesn't help out. Um, so I definitely want to see him out there, um, you know, hopefully sooner rather than later. But, um, you know, I, can he help out in the playoffs? Yes, but to what degree? Um, to be determined. I don't know. But I definitely think he helps the team out. So I sort of see, like, I agree with you on the regular season where – you know, hopefully he can get in a few games and like just try to like get in a rhythm, build a little momentum, build a little confidence. But I sort of see this like scenario in the playoffs where, you know, we've talked about the rotation and, you know, say if he's healthy and everything, like he'll be on the outside looking in as far as a rotation spot goes. But you look at, you know, JTA, Bielitsa, uh, 
Damian Lee, like the, we know like what they kind of bring to the table and teams aren't going to be like too worried about it. But if you throw in James Wiseman and he's doing some of the things, you know, if I like project a little bit, uh, like just like, go, like extrapolating a little bit on what we saw last night. Like there were a couple things that I was really wanting to see was, can he like read a double team and pass out of it? And if he gets like that momentary instance of like single coverage in the post on a smaller guy, can he just turn around and like flick it up and make that a good counter? And those two things are really important. I think for a playoff position, because if you're facing a team that's like trying to go really, really small and it's sort of like breaking the warriors trying to, well, who will probably have a pretty small playoff rotation and they just sort of like can't get anything going, you know, like maybe the shooters are sort of struggling. Like Wiseman could be an interesting piece where you can throw in there. If you're confident that he can take advantage of the one-on-one matchups against, you know, at this point, there are like maybe two guys that aren't smaller than him in the league now. So like, <laughs> you know, if he, he should be feeling good about any like post possession he gets, if he can do those like quick little turn and flicks and, you know, if like teams feel threatened by him, which you saw last night, obviously it's a G league team, but like when he got it in the post, they were like, Oh God, like collapse the whole defense. And it won't be that level in the NBA, but even if he can draw doubles and kick out of it and like find a shooter and, you know, maybe that's enough to like knock the rhythm loose for the team that's been sort of out of it. So that's where I sort of see him like finding a little angle in is, you know, maybe he's something that can like kick things loose uh, offensively if a team is going super small against them and they can just throw out their gigantic man mountain center. (laughs) The guy's a tank. Um, We got a, we got a really good question on Twitter. Um, I know Gotham, you got to balance, man. So whatever you, whatever you're ready to go, man, no, no sweat. Um, But the question was, and I got to double check who it's from and we'll give you credit at the end of this. Okay. But the question is, is James Wiseman, is asking James Wiseman to be a traditional center too much for a system that isn't traditional within itself? Simply put, Steph is greater than CP3, but CP3 knows how to operate and utilize bigs way better than Steph. How can the team, all caps, help him, all caps, Wiseman, be himself, all caps, and effective at the same time? Uh, that's a really good question. I think it's both a really important sh- short-term and long and What did I just say? really important short-term and long-term question to, uh, to look at. So, um, Gotham, since I know you're getting out of here, man, what's your, what's your thought there? Yeah, this is, I, I'm happy I was able to make it to this part because uh, we got this question. I, I think it's a good one. And I like how you started off with saying the short-term and long-term because long-term, honestly, I think that it doesn't really matter at this point. Um, long-term yeah, strictly for this season. And I think, when you say when you say as the Warriors are, I think uh, it's fair to say when you're a championship or bust team, I'm not. I don't care how James Wiseman looks. I, obviously, I'm invested in the future of this team and you know, seeing. But we're in the middle of the season, and I think the question itself, like it's solid, but like is it asking James Wiseman to be traditional center too much for the system that's not traditional? Yes, the Warriors system isn't traditional. They haven't um, normally utilized you know a, a big man. Um, to the level that they want, you know, that we see Wiseman, you know, kind of coming in. But um, I think that also just goes to show the potential that this guy has. I think 
no, it's not asking too much for him to be a seven footer in um, an offense running back and forth where you're up tempo. Um, you're going to be able to catch lobs if you defend the rim, just play hard on both ends. You're going to be able to be at least uh, a halfway decent center. This team has won championships with Andrew Bogut, JaVale McGee, Zaza Pachulia. Not to take anything away from these guys, but in terms of potential, um, James Wiseman is obviously much higher rated than any of these guys were when they're Warriors. That being said, I think the point where, you know, Steph Curry or CP3 um, in terms of you know, running point guard with the big, if you give Steph Curry a, a big man that can, you know, run, jump and defend as James Wiseman is, he's, he's going to find ways to make him successful. Now, is that going to be this season when, you know, they kind of already have this um, system of, you know, small ball and you know, guys stepping up to play the five? You kind of just give themselves that, um, that freedom to you know, throw out a big man out there, see what happens. Um, so I just think it's a cool wrinkle. Um, so I think the team can help Wiseman be effective by just letting him be a seven-foot basketball player and go out there and just play to his strengths, um, you know, put him in situations. You're going to be having Draymond next to him defensively and offensively, like just, you know, eat where you can. Um, there's a, So I think it's on Wiseman to show how effective he can be because I think the system itself will make it convenient for him to at least, you know, give us some sort of uh, – give us some sort of uh, production. So – um, I love the question. I think uh, it's a very, it's a very twofold, long-term question to answer. But short term, I think yes, uh, the team will be able to help him. Um, I think the system is in place. It's just on how quickly he can adjust and if he can help out in the playoffs. But that being said, Game Six Clay guys, I appreciate you. I'll let Matt and Charlie bring this one home. But I will see you guys very soon. And uh, go Dubs, baby. Peace. Gotham, stay safe, man. Don't don't uh, re-injure that ankle. All right, my guy. I know. I'm on the on the mend uh, mend recovery. We'll see you soon, boys. All right, man. Yes, Later. Hey guys. Um. Yeah. So I think one just building off what Gotham said, I do think that they actually do have a system that's in position to take advantage of what he does. Like they do have this more traditional usage of their centers, but I think those are the things that Wiseman needs to build on to start. Like if you look at the usage that they do for Kavan right now, like running tons of handoffs like high screen and rolls all the things that he does it's just screening you know (laughs) like he can he can execute all those things really well but he doesn't have the role threat and Wiseman is just a massive downhill guy like as much as I love Kuminga running those sets like he doesn't necessarily have that same frame that can just like erase dudes on high screens and like run multiple like option screens and things like so that's the thing that I think is exciting is you can just plug him into those roles and he can take more advantage of it than Kavon would. And another thing he brings to the table, and this is where I think the coaching staff needs to be a little more, you know, a little more forgiving possibly is, you know, if he's running like these dribble handoffs or he's getting like a high screen and roll and the defense is just sagging way off him, like let him pull on these jumpers sometimes because we've seen that, he can hit them. We don't necessarily know what clip that is. And that's where I think they need to, you know, exercise some caution and say, you know, we don't want you getting too jumper happy. Like that 50, 50 split on like rim attempts versus jumpers is just not what I, what I want to see at all from him. And I think, I think that brings another dimension that they just need to work on. And on the defensive end, you know, usually Kavon is playing in these really deep drops. And I think, that's just, you know, sort of out of necessity because that's where he has to play. But I think that's 
it's good for Wiseman because he's seven foot one. He's got a giant reach. He can clean up a lot of things that in front of, that are in front of him. And if he's playing in that deep drop, then there's not a whole lot going on behind him. And that's sort of good right now because he doesn't quite have that like spatial awareness for back cutters and like guys moving behind him, you know, possibly getting slips. So I do, I do think they can do a lot to like accentuate his strengths right now and allow him to like work on those rougher parts of his game. But we we've definitely seen that they know how to like let the rookies have a little bit more rope this year. Yeah. And I think if all everything you hit on was like, yes, those are the ways which Wiseman is idealized. And I think as far as having your role this year's go, you roll this year goes, it's kind of important to keep in mind like that their center rotation right now has Bealy to in it because Draymond's out, right? And he's getting those minutes because Draymond's out. And Wiseman essentially, as far as center minutes goes, you got to imagine would be stealing Bealy's minutes of anybody, right? Um, and in those minutes that Bealy's would normally get, which aren't going to be a whole lot, yeah, I think the, everything you just said, right? He, he should be able to function in five to 12 minutes, whatever it might be, um, in, a, in a spread slash athleticism-based role, right? Um, my questions for Wiseman more so are like a lot of people just long-term. I think it's not because of his skill set, not because of the system, not because of the coaching staff. It's just the, it's actually roster construction more so. And I think for a team that has Draymond as their, as their, you know, nominal five and their best option at five for the foreseeable future, because of just, we all know what Draymond does, right? Um, he does something at that position on both ends that no one else really can do. And obviously for his size, I mean, and actually maybe just size regardless. Right. And it's kind of like, getting Wiseman into a position where he's optimized with your best rim protector slash, you know, again, nominal center on the floor is going to be tough unless Wiseman's able to spread the floor, I think. And he already does that vertically, right? He's a great vertical spacer, but um, if he can spread the floor, like basically essentially like a four on offense, it's kind of different. And if he can kind of be, if he can be a defensive anchor on defense and again, kind of like we were saying with Louie earlier, let Draymond kind of float around. Fantastic. It's just, I'm, I'm really curious to see how this team navigates Wiseman's role going forward, just because you, this team's going to close with Draymond until Draymond can't go anymore. They're going to close them at the five until he can't go anymore. And for Wiseman to kind of crack into that kind of tier, which is not at all what we're focused on right now. Like you can go off and both said it. Like right now we're focused on regular season this year, um, playoffs. He's not going to be in a position to, I don't, I don't, I don't think he'll be in a position to even mess things up in the first place, to be honest. Like they have the guys to make sure he's safe out there on both ends uh, when mm-hmm. he's out there. I'm just really curious to see with Kaminga being a three, four, but also eventually probably a small ball five, right? Um, at least a little bit and Draymond kind of aging out the next two, three years. I'm curious as to what Wiseman's ideal role is on this team. Uh, it'll be a lot of fun to see, but I'm, I'm just, if that, that jumper is going to be everything to me as far as the offense goes, if he can spread the floor a little bit consistently, then a lot of these problems go away offensively. And if he can protect the rim, same thing, that's kind of just, that's, that's how I see it going forward though. Yeah. And it's interesting, you know, with guys like him, like, uh, there, there are a lot of guys where it comes up, uh, especially, you know, like when I look at like my draft stuff this year, like you can't, even if the skill isn't where you'd like it to be, you can't teach a dude being seven foot one, who's able to like cover the entire rim just by standing still and putting his arms up. Like that is such a, you know, a skill in and of itself. The fact that he can be a rim deterrent just by existing and 
complemented with the fact that the Warriors have a system that's capable of funneling everything into like pretty easy positions for their centers. Like there's a realistic world where he's able to offer some rim protection in the short term and sort of exists as that guy next to Kaminga when, you know, like you said, Draymond starts to take more of a backseat. So yeah, like it is, it is an exciting thing in the short and long term, and I'm, I'm I'm really I'm really just glad that question sort of set us on this train. Like it was, it's awesome to think about. I, I love that you brought it up. This, I mean, again, it goes without saying. You see that you're going to see the guy if you haven't watched the games yet. Anybody listening, and you thought he was big last year. He was. He looks like he's put on 20 pounds of muscle. Um, it's all muscle, like. He, oh yeah, he awesome. looks like Hercules. Like he's he doesn't look like a real person. Um, but there is so much that being that large and that quick and that athletic can cover up for you. And like even marginal improvements on either end are going to be magnified in a great way because of how freakishly athletic and huge he is. So Chuck, I think you summed it up really well, man. I'm excited to listen back and kind of. Um, Listen to what listen to what you said again, and read your article again, man. Because we're gonna have to refresh ourselves over the next few weeks. Because Wiseman is making that comeback. Um, we only have a few minutes left. Plays, plays again tomorrow. Yeah, awesome. ESPN Plus, my guy. It's a great, great <laughs> tool. Um, Charlie, we are closing out, but we gotta do ourselves justice here. Do you have yourself a take of the week? Uh. Now my, I mean, my main take, uh, James Wiseman, he's been working, but he's also been working on the beard. Uh, good work from the young man. He's 20, but he's got better facial coverage than I could hope for at 24. Like shout out to the guy, you know, like he's been putting in the work, he's seeing results. Like, I love to see that. How about Hames, you? The Hames does uh, great stuff, man. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> can, uh, yeah, my, my only take it's I've got, I'll just go with a quick one. Uh, I said it to you guys off off the off the pod. I think Wiggins this time, not this time next year. I think Wiggins involved next year is no longer uh, the Warriors starting small forward, and I think that's going to be a function of either him being benched for Kaminga, Clay, or Moody, or uh, or getting traded this offseason, Which you know, shooting twenty five percent doesn't really help you keep your job, my guy. But we'll see what happens. Sneaking one in at the buzzer. That's right. <laughs> <laughs> that's right. <laughs> Andy Dove, see you on the way out. Uh, Chuck, anything coming out soon, man? Uh, as always, follow me at Claytheist11. I'm doing a few draft pieces over the next couple weeks. Had an awesome conversation with my guy, Corey Roush, uh, from Outlet Past. Uh, we had a lot of fun doing that, and we'll be rolling out a few of those. And we will see how deep the wormhole goes on this Moses Moody piece I'm working on. Hopefully, we can have that out by the end of the weekend. Uh, we're lucky, cool. Charlie. It'll be a couple of nights before bed read, man, because that first Wiseman read was fantastic, dude. And it was, uh, it, it was informative. Honestly, man, Chuck, you keep it up, dude, because those that that was all some long form. Like I was smarter about James Wiseman <laughs> after after having read that, man. So you keep it up, dude. Um, I got nothing to plug right now. Keep giving the follow. Keep listening to the pod, guys. Um, keep sending questions in. We were pumped to get that Wiseman question today. It was a great one. Yes, sir. Uh, uh, At Game other, Six Play Pod, as always, hit us up with those questions. 
please find us. Please find us. Send the questions in. Again, I said complaints in there as well. Charlie liked that very much. <laughs> Charlie, Charlie gets tired of the complaining on Twitter. <laughs> please stop complaining to me. But I you know, hear it. <laughs> we just love the interaction, guys. So I'm gonna I'm not gonna supersede Chuck, but I they I don't know. <laughs> just do your thing, guys. Uh, but other than that, we'd love we loved having this uh this discussion on Wise and Clay and Wigs and the young guys, and we will catch you guys next week on the Game Six Clay Pod. See you, everyone. State Warriors advance to their fifth consecutive Western Conference final for the second straight year. They eliminate the Rockets here in Houston as they take this series in six games and they win game six without Kevin Durant. Just a painful way to end the season once again for Chris Paul, James Harden, and the Rockets.